This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 15 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. Today, we are joined by the legend himself, Monty Roberts. He is a world-famous horse trainer, trainer to the Queen of England, and also the author of many books and articles. He comes on to talk about his recent article, Pivotal Time for the Thoroughbred Racing Industry. OTTB owner and entrepreneur Ariel Stafford joins us to tell us how you can compete with your ex-racer in the comfort of your own backyard. Our RRP spotlight writer is Casey French, who tells us about her Thoroughbred Makeover horse, Awesome Choice, which is like an awesome name. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have a New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptal Horse of the Week. So stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, girl. It is three weeks, two and a half, three weeks till the makeover. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. (laughs) You're excited. I'm (laughs) nervous. So for those that are just joining us, I actually entered the makeover with a horse. His name is Lost My Way, Baby Groot, as he is called um, in the barn. And Lost My Way is a four-year-old 16.2 hand bay thoroughbred gelding. And the press release just came out for the horses that are entered in the makeover. Would you like to hear some statistics of horses that are entered? Absolutely. Okay. Um, let's start with the discipline. So I've entered in eventing and freestyle. I've never done a freestyle, but you got to sometimes get out of your comfort zone. And this is what is causing me to not sleep at night is the whole freestyle division. Um, but the number of entrants, show hunter. 178 dressage 177 in the show jumper category 136 eventing has 93 competitive trail 80 freestyle 44 barrel racing 31 ranch work has 29 entrants field hunter with 26 and polo rounding out with the remaining 16 entries if you're doing the math that's an awful lot of horses and that's a lot of classes yeah, so <laughs> that's it's a good point. Yeah, so 474 horses were registered for the competition, and they expect, you know, you just never know, but they're expecting around 400 competing. Now, I told you that Baby Groot, or Lost My Way, is a 16.2 hand bay gelding, okay? The majority of uh, horses that fall in the 16 to 16.3 hand range, 66%. Okay. There's a 10% that are, let's see, under 15 hands to 15 and a half hands. And then there's 10% or 17 hands and over. So he's right in the middle. The color, guess what the most popular color is, Joy? Chestnut mare. You would be wrong. (laughs) The most popular color is bay with 38% of the horses entered our bay. They've also got some dark bays, chestnut grays, a liver chestnut, two liver chestnuts, a black horse, and a white horse. One white horse. His name is Painted Patchen. He's a rare white horse registered white with the jockey club. So there's going to be one real big standout there. So there are a couple black horses, just two. Um, what do you want to guess as far as like mares and geldings? Which one do you think has more? You know, I know what I'd love to see there, but I'm going to guess geldings. Geldings round out at 70%. I know you love mares, but mares that are thoroughbreds have other jobs that they can do after they're done with their racing career. The geldings are the ones that really need the help. And 70% of the horses (laughs) competing are geldings. 29% are uh, mares and 1% is a stallion. So I think there's just maybe one stallion. Um, Let's see. The average age for a makeover horse. Guess. The most popular age. I'm going to say five. Nope. That's second. Four. 
four years old. Okay. I'm, I, I mean, if you're looking at baby Groot, he is right smack in the middle. Baby Groot is real basic right now. <laughs> Super basic, right? <laughs> I was like, there's nothing that stands out about him. He's this exact median height, average uh, size, color, age, everything. Um, but there are four and five-year-olds are the most popular age group. There are 34 horses that were foaled in 2009 or earlier, earlier, and that makes them eligible for what they have, the Iron Horse Award. And yeah. the two oldest horses are coming into their second careers at 14. The horses are Worthy of Wings, that's Kyle's horse, and yeah. St. Patrick's Rib. Both were foaled in 2005. So they just never give up on them. Most popular places that the horses were born. Can you guess where 163 of the entrants were born? I would say Kentucky. You would be correct. (laughs) Yeah. So the second highest is Florida. Then uh, they have 51, 47 in New York. There's 34 horses that were born in Ontario. And the states ticked down with Pennsylvania, Indiana, Louisiana, West Virginia, Maryland, and California. Now their press release only had the top 10, but I'm like, uh, excuse me, where's the Oklahoma horses like baby Groot. So lost my way was born in Oklahoma and there are 12 horses coming from Oklahoma, uh, after California, Illinois, Ohio, Oklahoma, Washington, five in Texas, six in New Jersey, all the way down to one horse born in Montana, one horse born in Oregon, one horse born in Michigan, one horse born in North Carolina. So <laughs> almost every state is represented. I mean, there's a That's lot. So cool. Yeah. Just, it's such a wonderful, cool thing to have all these horses uniting together. Uh, there is five babies of Artie Schiller, Union Rags, and Warcry. Those have five studs each. So five babies of those stallions. Um, 19 of the 20 top leading sires last year's class are represented. So yeah, they're all doing really well. And then 49% of the makeover entrants were sold at public auction. The horse named last stage and radio silence, both sold at auction for $750,000. No way. And here they are in the makeover. That's the truth. So there's some fun numbers for you about the makeover. And I thought it was really interesting. Straight thunder and worthy of wings, 150 starts and 138 starts. So, uh, well represented with the, uh, the war horses. So fantastic. I'm so excited about it's the makeover. It's such a celebration of the breed. I'm just, it's going to be thrilling and I'm so excited for it. And, uh, can't wait to bring everyone with us for the show too. It's going to be great. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about it in just a minute, but we've got to get our first guest on. He is, I mean, I'm a certified Monty Roberts instructor, so obviously I'm a believer and a fan in his methods, but let's get him on to talk about his passion, the racehorse. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, hello, Monty Roberts. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm continuing to do what I love. You know, I'm the luckiest man in the world. Do you know anybody else that has done every day of his life what he loves to do? Not many. I don't, I don't love to go to the bookkeepers and the problem solving kind of people. I just do my horses and it's a, it's a wonderful life with animals, you know? And we haven't given them enough credit. Well, what we're going to talk to you about today is 
kind of giving the horses a little more credit. Um, there was an article that was published and it quotes you a lot. And I just thought we had to get you on to talk about this article. The article was called pivotal time for the thoroughbred racing industry. So obviously down the street from you, Santa Anita had a, a really big problem this year. And I know that I'm sure you have some comments about it. Oh, I have a lot of comments about it. And, um, it is different from what the public knows about. And there were a lot of comments made early without full information on what happened. Um, but it actually takes blame away from people rather than heap blame on people. So I'm pleased with it. Well, obviously we're talking about the 29 horses that lost their life at Santa Anita and many people blame the heavy rainfall and then they sealed the track, which is what they do along the top of it to make sure that the pad it's hard. But what happens is it hardens the pad underneath admitted the president of the California thoroughbred trainers, Jim Casty, And he said that that might've been one factor at that brought, uh, you know, Santa Anita, a bunch of un wanted attention. Um, now let's talk a little bit about, I know it's the biggest passion with you and it's definitely a passion of mine too. Let's talk about whips. What, how, why do people whip horses when they're running Monty? I will be readmitted admittedly quickly. The least likely person to ask that question to on the face of the earth, because it is utterly stupid. It is without thought. It is without any positive reaction from the horse. Measure them. They have a jug's gun now. The horses run slower when they're whipped. Uh, people have discovered that years ago. But, you know, we're predators. We control things with force. And um, flight animals are not predators. And they only have two goals in life. One is to survive and the other to reproduce. And they're not thinking about reproduction when they're running, but they love to run. They run when they're a few days old against their brothers and sisters. And they love it. Racing is in their blood for 50 million years. So why would you whip the flight animal when he's running? It's crazy. I said that in 1964 with three I believe all three of them are Hall of Famers, uh, Farrell W. Jones and Charles Whittingham and Buster Milrick. I sat at their table because I was a new person. I'm a kid. It was in 1964. And um, I had just finished uh, getting two doctorates in behavioral sciences. And so I was very intelligent, you know, and, and knew everything you need to know. And whipping flight animals is stupid. So I said, so, Oh, you should have heard that room come down on me. And boy, was I told in spades, you will never live long enough to see the whips taken out of racing. And I took a lot of heat for my position, a lot of heat. Well, uh, but for those who don't know, you've been involved in the horse racing industry for quite some time as a buyer and a seller and a trainer. And, 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 and obviously you start horses and you work with problem horses, but what, what, what would you say is the center of your exit? Like, what would you say your main job in the horse racing industry has been? The main job that I created for myself, I suppose you could say, is the study of the mental processes of the horse behavior. Why do they do what they do? Why do we do what we do? And my doctorates are both ways, both human and animal. And so each of us is an animal of sorts and we do things and wonder why we did them. And oftentimes training the horse and my word, haven't they been so generous to me? Um, and, you know, you were talking about all these disciplines and the different eras that I came through. In 1945, I was 10 years old, and the war was still going on, the Second World War. Racing was shut down, and I was a jockey in 44, 45, 46. I rode the first races out of starting gates, where the gates sprung open in front. So I go back that far 
wondering why we did certain things with our horses. Mm-hmm. And the rails inside of the starting gate, for instance, they seemed good because they protect the legs of the jockey, but the horses didn't like them. And it's only been in the last few years that I figured out all of the elements involved in the rails in the starting stalls and why horses all over the world fight them and lose races because of them. So I would say that the centerpiece of my career has been the study of the brain of Equus. And you talked about those rails and and the starting stalls, and that is definitely something that was a big part of my training with you, which is into pressure animals. And so talk a little bit about into pressure and how that affects the horse coming out of the starting gate and also could affect the horse that's being whipped. Yeah, isn't it amazing that there are hundreds now um, courses around the world in colleges and universities called equine science courses. And I talk at a lot of them. They ask me to come and give talks, you know, and they ask me to meet with the people that are there. And many people come in my lines at my demonstrations and talk to me from these courses. And I haven't met one person who went through those courses and knows the meaning of positive thigmotaxis. And positive thigmotaxis simply means into pressure. It means that when they feel pain, they go into it, not away from it. That's the fallacy of whipping. We are thigmotaxic in our mouth. When the child is bringing in teeth, they want to bite down on a hard rubber ring. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they're into pressure in the mouth. Why would Mother Nature want them to be into pressure in their mouth? Where did the dentist live when we lived in the caves? There was no dentist when we lived in the caves. So... The ones that wouldn't bite down and eat died, and they Mm -hmm. didn't reproduce. They became thigmotaxic in their mouth. Horses have dogs attacking them and cats attacking them from all over their body. So when there's pain, they go into it and kick him in the head, and then they can get get away. But if they just bolt away, they rip the skin, out comes the intestines, and the pack of dogs have lunch. Uh, Dogs have to live, too. It's amazing, though, you you say this and, and people are thinking, well, my horse isn't getting attacked by dogs and cats. There's 50 million years of genetics <laughs> that tell your horse how to behave. I mean, it's it's just really amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and only 6,000 years of domesticating them and uh, only done by uh, a hard-nosed predator. Uh, it goes back, the violence of breaking the horse, breaking mm-hmm. the horse. All over the world, the breaking season, it's the breaking season, Um, the breaking in time. Oh, this is the breaking pen. You know, it's um, we did the same with our wives in the caves. We did the same with our children. Breaking something is not the answer. And um, we could get along a lot better with horses if we didn't, because a good trainer can make a horse do almost anything he wants him to. But the great trainer can cause the horse to want to do it. And that goes back to the whipping. If horses are into pressure and I think I'm, I'm not, I I think I saw it in the Kentucky Derby this year where the horse coming around the corner in the lead got hit on the outside shoulder and went straight across the track into that pressure. Am I crazy or did you see that? I studied it backwards and forwards in slow motion. When the whip comes down in a right-handed jockey, the head of the horse goes to the right, not to the left. And most of the jockeys think the horse is going to go to the left when I hit him on the right. Not true. Especially when he's in the process of trying to win a race. He's only thinking 50 million years ago and survival. He wants to win. And so pressure is what he goes into, not away from. So uh, we, we had on Horses in the Morning, the radio show, we had a jockey on who, when I said, why on earth don't they just take all the whips away from everybody and it'll be fair? And he said, as a jockey, you need that whip because it's for safety. It keeps you yeah. safe. Why, yeah. why? Why would somebody say that? <laughs> They've told him that since he was in jockey school, you know, and 
70% of the accidents in racing occur when the whips come out. Safety? Mm-hmm. And I am so proud of Norway. Can you imagine that little country being as intelligent as they are? I was there. I presented the trophy for the big race and stuff. I met the president of the track, and we talked a lot about this kind of thing. It was four or five years ago, and the racing industry was just reducing the whip. England and and Sweden and Denmark were all reducing the whip a lot. But those jockeys were in that room telling him, we need the whip for safety. So he came in the room one day, and he said, you know, I've listened to you all, and um, perhaps you're right. So what I say is, you can take your whips with you. We, we met, and we made a, a vote. And we decided you can take your whips with you, and you can strike the horse as many times as you want in a race. However, we've made a rule that if either of your hands leave the reins, you're disqualified. <laughs> And they looked at one another. So if they need it for safety, they can shake it at him for safety. Mm -hmm. Or they can take their hand away from the reins and be disqualified for safety if they want. Well, after four or five races, all the whips started staying in the jocks room. And Norway is whip-free. Wow, amazing. Uh, I do know that I read something about... They're talking about getting rid of the whips or at least limiting the whips now at Santa Anita. Yeah, you know, and the jockey club just voted to uh, abandon the whip um, for encouraging the horse to run, whatever that means. But our jockey club in the United States voted to ban the whip. And there's a lot more votes that have to be taken. But what got me was when one of the members came out and said, now we have to see if it'll go global. Mm-hmm. Has he not looked around? We're the last ones to take any actions whatsoever against the whip. That's the true. rest of the globe has seen well ahead of us the fallacy of whipping in racing. Well, how can we continue this, Monty? I know Joy is a big believer in it as well. How can we we take this further? How can we continue the talk about taking whips out of racing? Well, at 84 you know, I've put a lot of years into this and I have taken so much guff, uh, for my position. I was told by a man who in recent years was the leading trainer in the United States. I was admonished at Keeneland sales, just go buy your horses and leave us alone with our whips. What do you know about our business? And, uh, he, he was just really discourteous to me. Um, but recently he's talked to me a couple of times and said, you know, it's got to happen. I, I think it's the right way to go. <laughs> so I think we just have to keep working at it. Um, the, the, you know how these things tumble and the ball gets rolling very slowly. And then when people start to see and get reports from good minds, um, things happen pretty fast. I think whips are gone. I hope racing is not gone, but I believe that the idiots that have forced us not to change for all these years may have gone too far and racing may be abolished. It's a handful of people that has to vote in California to take, to put it off the charts here in this state, Mm. which would be a, disaster. It'd be a terrible shame. Horses love to run. And, and if you ban racing, you kill horses. Well, and, and jobs and a lifestyle. And I mean, gosh, just the, the thousands and thousands of people that are associated with the industry as well. So they've got to do something quick before, you know, like dog, dog racing is gone too. And those dogs love to run. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, something's ban- got to be done. Ban- banning is seldom the answer. Banning doesn't get it done. Make it good. Make it right. Make the changes. But don't ban things. There are a few things. You have to ban the OMAC suicide race and that thing they have in Rome where they run on the cobblestones and stuff like that. That ought to be banned. Terrible stuff. But to ban a whole industry is just 
to cause the horses within that industry to die. That's all there is to it. They'll just die. Uh, they'll be sent off to first Mexico and then up to Canada and over to Japan as human food. Uh, it's it's a shame. Well, thank you for being you and speaking out about it and trying to save the racing industry. It's been an awesome talk. MontyRoberts.com. You've also got an online university, MontyRobertsUniversity.com. If you want to learn a little bit more about Monty, you can find him. He's got a big presence on social media as well. So thank you so much for joining us, Monty. It's been awesome. Thanks, oh, Monty. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me on. So, Jamie, I did something really fun in the last couple of weeks where I competed in an online dressage show, which I never thought these things could exist. And it was actually through meeting our next guest, who is Ariel Stafford, who put better dressage scores together. And I wanted to bring her on because she also has an OTTB as well and is very thoroughbred uh, driven. So welcome, Ariel, to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Of course, of course. So... It was really interesting to find an online dressage show because I just was looking for something that I could train some horses, get some, you know, comments from a judge without spending $250 and hauling them to a a show and not knowing if they were just going to lose their minds or even do a center line correctly. And I happened to find your program. What drove you to create better dressage scores? You know, it's kind of exactly what you're saying right now of, um, I have never won the lottery or had a ton of money, but obviously I've got bit by the horse bug and and love to horse show. And as an eventer, if I go in and have a horrible dressage test, it kind of puts a damper on the other two events, uh, for, you know, all the money that you spend to get there. And I, uh, actually started a blog maybe four years ago or so, and just kind of met some different people in the horse world on the internet, um, you know, spoke to a few people and obviously most of us are in the same position. And I had seen a few Western horse shows that were online, but it was more of, you know, they give a pattern that the, the person who sets up the online shows draws up themselves, you submit it, and then you get judged. And I thought, well, why, why, would, why can't we do that for dressage considering it's the same test? I don't even have to make up the test. It's the same thing for everybody. And you can kind of compete and usually for the younger horses too. I, I have done a lot with thoroughbreds before and it's kind of nice just to see what you need to work on before you spend all the money going to a horse show. Yeah. So I definitely wanted something affordable. Definitely agree with that. So the horse that we put into it, his name is uh, the Yank is his jockey club name, but we call him Bucky Barnes at the barn. And it was his first time in our arena the first time I've ever ridden him, we're like, we're just going to throw him on and get like this base idea because it was so affordable to do. It was $19, which that's amazing. But I wasn't sure what to expect with the judges. And we got excellent feedback and actually placed, which is crazy. So how did you get, these are rated judges, correct? Time out. I need to know, how does this work? Yeah. How do you do? <laughs> Better question. <laughs> Uh, basically it really is like a, I guess I'm, I'm going to call it the, the podunk version of the internet because a lot of it is done by hand. Um, I, I do run events locally as well. Um, but for the most part, I, I just handpick these judges. I kind of put some feelers out of who would be interested. And a lot of dressage judges were super interested. Um, you know, it's not even for the money, obviously they don't make much of anything off of this. It's because they, they want to stay tuned up and they're judging and they really enjoy it. And they love being able to meet and, and judge and help people that they could never otherwise meet. So I kind of handpicked some judges. You got their thoughts on, on how to run it. Um, and it's still a work in progress. So we'll tweak it, you know, depending on the judge, some of them are really good with technology. Some of them aren't. So I'll either send them a word document or an Excel spreadsheet Or, you know, maybe sometimes I have to download the video and put it in a format that works for them. A lot of it is like per rider that comes in. It is a lot of work, but it's it's awesome to see how much these judges really want to help and get to know these riders. So basically you film your test and we have a couple rules on there of how to film. You know, if you can put it in landscape mode, use Zoom when you can. Um, Just try and get as good of quality as, as possible so that it's easy for the judge to see. And then you go in, pick your test that you rode, 
add it to your cart, you check out, there's a couple options. So you have the extra feedback option, which is where the judge will send you even more feedback of specific exercises to do. Um, one of our judges, she will judge and record herself judging it as she's watching your ride. So you get to hear her thought process and the different exercises that she thinks would help you. We have another one that writes out full pages of, of things that might help your, your future rides. Um, it kind of depends on the judge. Uh, and of course you can, you can get ribbons as well. Um, but basically they put their scores in and then I email the scores back to the riders and post they, the end results online. And it's more of a compete against yourself format because we do have a lot. When I first started this, it was United States and I just did USDF tests. And I think maybe beginner novice in dressage for USDA. And I didn't think it would take off. And within a month, I got requests from Canada immediately of please put these tests up for us. You know, we want to do this too. And I have every test in for eventing in Canada, dressage in Canada, Western dressage, regular dressage, eventing dressage. It just kind of took off. Um, so we, we do a variety of, of different tests, um, which I was super excited about for sure. So I know why the judges to, like, meet a bunch of people. I know why the judges like it. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, they love judging people. Like they love what they do. Blah 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 blah. They don't have to sit in a dang hot back of a horse trailer. No, they can probably stay at home that all too. day. The glass of rosé. Exactly. I would love that. that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's kind of when I found the judges. I thought I would have a little bit of pushback because, I mean, they they really don't make anything off of this. It's honestly out of the kindness of their hearts to do this. And a lot of them were so excited to do it because they were like, Oh my God, I can, you know, still feed my horses in the morning. And then on my free time, go ahead and at home and judge. And I can do it on my schedule because I give them a full week to be able to submit the feedback. So they really enjoy not having to travel. They can stay at home. They can go ride. They can come back in and judge a couple tests. It makes it pretty easy on them. And they were, I, I don't think I had a single judge that, gave me any pushback. If they did say no, it was because, oh, I'm just really too busy right now, but oh my gosh, please contact me about this in the future. I think that's awesome. And how often are the shows held? We do one every single month. So I basically have it to where the show date, quote unquote, is the last day of the month. Um, and that basically just means that the results are posted and your scores are sent back. But um, the score the videos and entries are due the week before the last day of the month. And the only day that we don't, or sorry, the only month that we don't run a show is in December because I do also tally up uh, year end awards and prizes and you, you earn points per show that you enter. Um, and, and I do tally those up. And at the end of the year, we have a bunch of prizes. I love that. And what I love most about this entire thing, because you know this is a retired racehorse radio show. It, like, we love thoroughbreds. We love standardbreds. You do something very special for OTTB entries. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I have an OTTB myself. Um, my, my first competition horse was actually a little quarter horse. Um, and I, I've, I've always loved the thoroughbred breed. Um, and ever since I got mine, I, I've just gotten way more into it. And so for every OTTB entry, 10% of that goes to a rescue. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a thoroughbred rescue. Our first year that we did this, it was a thoroughbred rescue. And then I had a rescue reach out to me this year of, you know, we had, we got hit really hard by a winter storm. Is there any way that you could send us money? We have thoroughbreds here, but it's not strictly for thoroughbreds. And I was like, of course, I mean, if you need it, Absolutely. Um, so I think that's also a, a different way of kind of cross promoting of it's not just OTTBs that need the help and everything, but it's, it's almost like the, every thoroughbred that enters does something nice for another horse, which Aww. maybe I'm being cheesy about that, but it was kind of my thought process. Um, <laughs> I think it's great. And I think it's such a great training model, especially for, you know, us amateur owners like myself who don't have all the time to go out on the weekends and show constantly, but we still want that experience. We still want to get the feedback and it's just doable. You know, I did two tests and it was like 50 bucks and got great feedback. So definitely a great thing to have. And you did something really cool recently, which is a little off topic from where we're going, but I'm just in awe of it. You took your thoroughbred and competed at the American eventing championships, correct? I did. It was amazing. 
Tell us about that experience because I'm jealous and I want to live vicariously through you. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly didn't think that I was going to make it this year at all. And it was like the stars aligned for us. Um, I, we've had a couple issues with my OTTB is Reef. So I'll just, um, Reef has had a couple issues with cross country specifically. Um, We went to try on two years ago. He was super confident. And we had two stops on the course, first time ever. And it was basically, it was pouring down rain and they threw white sand in front of the fences to help with the footing. Well, he all of a sudden was like, I, you know, I can't deal with anything bright, white and dark. And it just, it really freaked him out. And so coming off of try on, he had an injury for eight months. And then he also, you know, still reverted back to anything white. He would just absolutely lose his mind to. So he went to a competition he threw me straight into a fence and he was gone. And that was, that's really not like him. He's one of those horses that if you fall off, he kind of stands next to you and he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like he doesn't, he took off after that one. So we've had a pretty long road to get here and, uh, and, and with just life changes and money, you know, not being, having as much money as I'd like to compete. Um, that was kind of a struggle too, but I ended up getting a, applying for a scholarship and receiving it. And it was the, my Singin' Williams scholarship. It's a local one here and she pays for two horse shows. And if you qualify for AEC, she pays your entry for AECs, which was incredible. So we, at the very last show, we got first place by just a complete miracle. It's like all of a sudden, all the hard work we put in really worked out and we qualified at the very, very last show that we could have qualified with. And yeah, he was amazing this entire week. He, it's as if, he figured out his job. He was on it cross country. I bawled like a baby. I was like, I got it. I'm fine. I'm, I'm happy, but I'm okay. And then it was like, yeah, my whole family ran up to me and I lost it. I just couldn't stop crying. And I was so proud of him. He was foot perfect. Um, his dressage chest was nice and relaxed. His stadium, we had two rails and we never have rails. He was so tired from the day before. I mean, he really poured his heart out on cross country. So we had two rails, but we completed. And I was so stoked about it. I was happy to even be there, honestly. Um, but it's it was knowing the long road that we've had to even get there and to be able to complete it and be able to say that he trusted me 100% for all the fences, whether they were big or white or whatever they looked like, that was the best feeling in the world to me. I, I want to cry. That's such a great story. And <laughs> even more so, like you talked about how, you know, you don't have those unlimited funds where you can just keep showing and it's going to be fine. You know, having all the sponsors that we constantly see and you still were able to achieve what you wanted. And I think that that gives a lot of people like me inspiration to kind of get out and you know look for those types of scholarships, take advantage of programs like betterdressagescores.com. And, you know, get out there because you can achieve it. it might take a little longer, it might take a little extra work, but you can still achieve it. Yeah, I've always had that mentality of in college, my parents basically said, if you want to have a horse and you want to compete, that's great, but you have to pay for it. And so at one point in college, I had three jobs and I was on it and I competed and I kind of got into the eventing world in that way. Um, and then afterwards with better dressage course, you know, another thing behind it was, well, I got lucky in college. I had a scholarship to pay for my tuition and I had a scholarship to pay for my apartment. So every ounce of anything that I made went into horses. But I know that even with three jobs, there's a lot of people that can't afford to go horse showing, but maybe they want to show off their horse's talents or know how they would do if they went to a show. So that was another thing behind Better Dressage Course too. And and that's what I thought of at AECs. I was so amazed to be able to ride with the top competitors in the country. But all I kept thinking of is, there are some talents at home that can't afford to ever do a horse show, but they could probably blow us out of the water. And I know it because I've seen it (laughs) online of people who have never been to a recognized competition, but my God, can their horses go? So that, that was another thing that, that better dressage course kind of showed me too. It was really nice to see. That's awesome. Well, Ariel, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to learn more about better dressage scores, where can they find more information? You can go to betterdressagescores.com. And then we also have an Instagram and Facebook. So just look up Better Dressage Scores and you should find us on either platform. And then um, if you want to email me, info at betterdressagescores.com and it'll be me. There's no robots. It's just me and three judges. Well, I got to get my <laughs> mind. easy to talk to, I promise. Practice my makeover test. I'll send it to you. 
Let's do it. Perfect. Absolutely. I sent in my test to my judge before AEC, so I do it too. (laughs) All right. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. So stay up to date with the latest products and news. Follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram to find their products. Visit an authorized dealer on visitcashelcompany.com. Well, Jamie, we're just so close to the makeover now. We're getting kind of to our winding down point of our spotlight riders for the makeover. But I'm so excited to have Casey French on. She is a wife, mother, professional barrel racer. She's also a blogger, the Betty blog for Horse our Horse Nation magazine. And she's on with us today to talk about her horse, Awesome Choice. Welcome to the show, Casey. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So I'm reading your bio and I don't know how you're doing it all. I mean, a professional barrel racer. I have been watching, I watch barrel racing. I dream I could have that kind of adrenaline to do that. I'm more of a dressage rider myself, keeping it slow and simple. So, but to see all the work it takes to be a barrel racer and a mom and a wife, Andy Block, how do you balance it all? Um, very, very organized scheduling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, seriously. And we're here, both me and my husband are transplants, so we have no family around. So it's always a, a balancing act because he ropes and he's a professional roper too. So he's gone and then I'm gone and we're usually going different directions and we have a baby. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, a well-executed, you know, thought-out plan throughout each and every day. (laughs) Where in the world are you? So we are an hour outside of Nashville, Tennessee, but we're originally, I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and my husband's from Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so you kind of, kind of split the middle. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. So with a schedule that busy, what made you do the Thoroughbred Makeover? Is this your first time doing it? This is my first time doing it. I I didn't really know that it, it, well, it is sort of a new thing, but I didn't learn about it until a few years ago when I saw a couple of girls that are from around my area that were actually competing in it. And it really drew me near. Um, I've been looking into getting into it for, gosh, probably maybe three or four years. And uh, things happen. I had a baby and uh, you know, um, life. So it just never had happened until finally, um, you know, here recently, but I had a horse, actually it was a thoroughbred that I was super competitive on in high school. She earned me a college scholarship. Um, nobody, I don't think anyone knew she was a thoroughbred, but she was, and, uh, she won at every level from high school all the way up to uh, professional ranks and she was just amazing. So I thought if I ever had another chance to do that and, you know, kind of recreate that again, I would definitely do it. And um, that's where we are now with Awesome Choice. That's awesome. I mean, not even going to her name like that, but I, so are you going to be doing barrel racing with her as well? Or did you try a different discipline for this? So, um, awesome choice. We, I bought him intentionally for a barrel horse, but with that being said, if he didn't make a barrel horse, I was willing to take it to whatever direction it was going to go. Whether that meant, you know, me putting on a pair of breeches and showing Huntsy, like, <laughs> oh, that's the what pain. I was do. <laughs> Who would do <laughs> yeah, something like that? It. <laughs> I was well, gonna do it. I was, that's what I a good trainer does. Yeah, that's yeah. what a good trainer does is you have to find out what your horse is. But apparently you're entered in the barrel racing along with 30 of your closest friends. Yes, yes. So that's that was the original goal, and I really didn't know if that was gonna actually end up happening or not. And if it if it wasn't gonna happen, I wasn't gonna force it to happen. It was just gonna be what it was gonna be. Um I've done a few different things throughout my career, you know, I I have ridden hunters before it's been a hundred years, but so, you know, if that was what it was going to be, that was fine with me. If he was going to be great at that, I was going to be totally fine with it, even though I might, you know, not be as up to par with that, Mm -hmm. you know, 
that type of thing, I was going to learn and go take lessons or whatever it took. Um, but yeah, so here we are and um, we're actually entered in barrel racing and I also entered him in um, Western dressage. So oh, okay. um, yeah, we, um, I've taken a few dressage lessons and I thought, well, that might be fun to, to try out, you know, while we're there. And so we're getting ready for that as well. I love it. So of course we have to ask, how did you settle on Awesome Choice as your makeover horse? So a friend of mine, um, they have been trying to find me a horse for years and it's always, it's just never worked out for me to get one. And she just was relentless. She sent me horse after horse after horse. And I knew I wanted something specific. Um, I really wanted a mare, but I ended up with a gilding, which that's, that's fine. It works out great because we have six other gildings here and they're all best friends. But, um, I wanted something specific. I wanted a sprinter. I wanted something that had one. Um, and I wanted something that was a little bit on the smaller side. Um, I'm, I'm a little person. I'm only five mm-hmm. one. And I just always have gotten along better with a horse that's like, you know, in the 15 hands range, like anywhere from 15, one to 15, three. So, um, anyway, she sent me horse after horse. And finally she sent me that one. And, I couldn't say no. I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for. And I always said that if I found the right one, I would do it. And so awesome. here we are. And yeah. so what are your future plans after the makeover with Awesome Choice? I know that you guys hear this all the time, but the makeover really is just the beginning. And that's a true statement. Um, I didn't realize how true that would be. I heard so many people say that. And, you know, going throughout this whole process and I never really took it to heart until now. (laughs) I see that it's true. You know, it it really is. It's such a, it's a process. And, um, right now I feel like this is just kind of where we're starting that trek towards possibly, you know, entering and, and starting to compete and that type of thing. Um, we're definitely not there yet and Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it, you know, um, it takes years to develop a great horse, not months. So um, the makeover is just going to be a starting point. And, you know, what he is when he gets there is what he is. And um, he's doing great, though. He really is. He's not going to be, you know, blazing through there like some of them might be, but he's doing it right. And so I'm very proud of him for that. Well, I think that's an important thing that I've learned with this trip to the makeover. I have one entered as well. And I I think that what I've learned is I've actually, and I think Claire Mansman wrote an article about it in Horse Nation, that the makeover prepares you for training a horse that can do anything and more. So think about like, okay, so baby, my horse lost my way is is for sale at the makeover. And you know what? That has made me train him to stand tied, be cross-tied, be better with his feet. Mm-hmm. You know, every blanket right. thing you can think of that you want your horse to be good at, you make the horse good at it and you encourage it. And yes, there's st- we're going to get there. And yeah, he might not do amazing in eventing or he might just be a nutcase in, in um, the freestyle, but you're getting the horse there and it go, it just moves on from there is what I'm trying right. to think of. And I think you're saying it almost better than I am, but it's just, it's a starting point of for the rest of this horse's life. And it has motivated me to be a better trainer, to be more thorough, to work hard every single day. That is what the makeover has taught me. Oh, we need to start a hashtag. What the makeover has taught me. And it, it does, it just motivates you. But you have to understand that, you know what, these horses don't take months to train. I mean, how long does it take you to train a really, you know, 1D barrel horse? Forever. (laughs) (laughs) It takes, I mean, it takes a while. And um, even, you know, we dabbled in fraternities for a while with the barrel racing. And um, those horses are even, you know, they, they get started from day one. I mean like babies, you know, and it's not that they're, you know, running barrels on them, but they're preparing them from the ground up every single day, whether that might be, you know, just taking them to shows or 
So they spend a lot of time um, working towards those goals since the horse was born, basically. Um, whereas here, you know, you've got what ten months. So yeah. um, you you can't you can't really you you almost it's like you want to expect a lot because when you get them, for me anyway, I was blown away about how much my horse actually knew when I got him. He knew a lot. He knew his leads. Um, you know, he, that he stood tied up. Like there was a lot of things that I thought, well, wow, this might be a lot easier than I thought. But then when you start to peel the onion, so to speak, Mm is you find, Oh, well, he might not know this. You know what I mean? So you go back um, and go over some of those things that might not have had, you know, all the attention that, you know, you might need for what you're going to be doing with them. So yeah, um, my, my, none of that stuff. So it it is true. You know, you, you, you don't know what, they're going to know until you get there and you start looking at them and you're like, Oh, look, yep. you don't know how to do X, Y, or Z. The first time the farrier picked up the foot that he fell over, he just fell over. And it turns out he'd oh. been drugged for every time he had been shot before, you know? So it just things like that, that they just, they haven't been trained to do certain things. And you as a trainer, it's your job to figure it out. And I think you're doing awesome. And I'm so excited to meet you and see you at the makeover. Yeah. I am so excited about this whole ordeal. I'm excited to watch every different event because I've learned so much just by following, you know, some of the other riders and you know, listening to their questions. And I'm, I'm really pumped just to see some new things. So it could I be a total, well. a total S show, but that's okay. That is going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> that's exciting too, right? Remember, it's <laughs> just a celebration <laughs> and it's a celebration of the training in the thoroughbred. Okay. Whatever joy mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be a disaster. I'm trying to be your motivation be here. I know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, Casey, where can people follow you and awesome choice as you get ready in these next couple weeks? So he has a page on Facebook. It's called Awesome Choice, um, and it's at Awesome Choice TV. And um, we also feature him sometimes in a few things on the Betty blog. And, of course, Horse Nation is where I'm blogging the makeover story um, between him and I, you know, throughout this whole journey. So I'm writing articles every probably two to three weeks for them. you know, just posting updates and talking about the progress. So um, both of those places is where you can find us. Wonderful. Well, we are looking forward to meeting you and Awesome Choice and cheering you guys on in the barrel racing. And uh, yeah, good luck. Wow, thanks. I appreciate it. We're going to need all the luck we can get. That's for sure. Everyone (laughs) does, I think. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again. Remember to check out Awesome Choice on Facebook. And uh, thanks again, Casey. Thanks, Casey. All right. See you in a couple weeks. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. We are going to talk to Leandra, of course, with New Vocations, and we are going to talk about what would actually fit perfectly in the numbers that I gave you guys earlier. He is a 16.1 hand bay gelding. And he is located in Kentucky. (laughs) So tell us about Classic Romeo, which, by the way, the name is awesome. Well, like any good Romeo, he has the personality to suit the name. Classic Romeo, or just Romeo as we call him around the barn, is three years old. And you would never know it because he is truly an old soul. He is always the horse to have his head outside of his stall, ready to greet anyone who comes by. And he's not only that way in his stall, but he is that sweet, gentle creature on the ground when you're handling him. And fortunately, also under saddle. So from the first day we started working with him on the ground, as well as under saddle, he showed exceptional courage, exceptional kindness, and exceptional ease. So you've got the whole package, really. And of course, we expect nothing less. He is a Bodemeister baby, and we've had such good luck, um, good fortune with them just being kind and talented, and he does not disappoint on that front. Okay. He's super pretty. (laughs) Let's start with that. And I mean, he... He is just adorable. He's three years old, only three. He has a very, very extensive race career. Wait, 
Only two starts. <laughs> <laughs> he does not have an extensive two race career. Unplaced. <laughs> he but just that's all right. He, did not <laughs> So so what what direction do you think he will go in or do you just kind of let the let the adopter figure it out? Well, we always have an inkling of the direction that they might go, but then when it really comes to fruition, it's just finding that right person, of course. So I can really see him going a number of different ways, but he really feels like he could be a nice hunter or echoist, but he could also be somebody's just trail buddy. He could be a nice pleasure horse. He could be versed in many different disciplines, but he does have that really nice, comfortable, um, rhythmic canter that just screams hunter to me. And, we don't really say this often, but he really could work with a younger rider or a more intermediate rider. He's somebody that could build your confidence as he is maturing. You know, he's, he's still a baby. Um, he certainly needs more education, but he's a horse that you can grow with, which we really don't say often. We're usually telling people, you know, make sure you're not overmounted, but he is really an exceptional horse, which is why it's so exciting to talk about him. Well, he's really pretty. His name is Classic Romeo. Go to horseadoption.com and check him out. And Leandra, as always, oh my gosh, thank you for joining us and thank you for sending this. This one is this one's not gonna last long, ladies. Okay. Yeah. He is too nice. <laughs> I've got a couple more numbers for you, Joy, just to let you know. You know, you think of uh makeover horses, ah, they must not have been good in racing. There are some horses that ran a lot of times. Um, to be eligible for the makeover, the horse has to have been in training to race and must have at least one published works. Uh, and for about 6% of the makeover entrance, that's all they ever did. Just the published works. They never actually raced, but 34% had 10 starts or fewer. And then 36% ran between 11 and 30 starts, 24% raced more than 30 times and wow. 11% were war horses, war horses. Of oh, course, okay. if they have 50 or more starts and the, some of the, the horses with the most starts straight thunder, 150 worthy of wings, 138 St. Patrick's rib. What a strange horse name. A uh, hundred races. Hula pie. Hula Pie had 98, Peppermint Prince, I Am the King, Eldon Hall, Untethered, It's a Possibility, all one word, South Beach Sandy, all of them had in the 90s. So there are a lot of horses that have had a lot of time out of the track. I just wonder if that, does that like make it easier or harder to train them? What do you think? You know, what I think it means is those are some athletes right there mm -hmm. with a lot of heart. And I... I couldn't tell you. I'm and sure sound. they just give it all. Yeah. No kidding. But. So they, they have a lot of uh, horses that have earned a lot of money. There's a horse named Sam rat, which I think is Rosie Napravnik's horse. I can't remember a uh, hundred went one over a million dollars. That's crazy. I'm, I'm sorry. You say a million dollars, a $1,050,400 Sam rat. See if you can figure out whose horse that is. Oh, <laughs> I think it's gosh. I oh I'll find it. I'll find it right now. Give me a second. This is talk amongst yourselves. I need to know whose horse this is. And it's in alphabetical order if I look on the thing. So he is trained. I just know there's gonna be a lot of cool horses at this oh, event. Son I of a gun, it's Dan James. <laughs> oh, Rosie Napravnik's horses, Sen Senimo. So I was close, but yeah, Dan James is coming. He's in the freestyle. Yeah, that's right. Dan James of double Dan horsemanship is in the freestyle. That's insane. Ooh. Um, no pressure. And let, I mean, the guy has like horses canter over and jump other horses. So <laughs> he's, he's like the entertainment at Land Rover. It's also so. attractive. But, you know, oh God, does that matter? Too, <laughs> <laughs> Tower of Texas won 900, Mr. Hot Stuff. That's Ooh. not Dan James. That's actually a horse. $672,000. <laughs> and um, it just all, it trickles almost all the way down to uh, Lost My Way, Baby Groot, who, let's see, I believe he won $37. So, you know what, though? <laughs> he was once a winner and he can maybe do it again. Oh, yeah. He's got, what, one out of 44 chances in the freestyle? He'll be fine. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen. We are, it's, it's the start of our career. Okay. It's not the end. Uh, anyway, those are some of the fun numbers. If you guys have any questions or suggestions, please, you can find joy and I, uh, you can email me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com or joy is joy at horseradionetwork.com. She's on Instagram, joy H equestrian. Now tell them where they can find the links. Of course, you can find all our show notes and links to today's guest on our website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. By the way, do you see we are over 500 likes already? So excited. It's so great. Thank you all for your support. Now get all your friends to like it too. Get more on there. You can follow us at Twitter at Horse Radio. And uh, thanks so much to our amazing sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Products. You know, we wouldn't be here without you guys. And don't forget to check out all the other shows at Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Bye.